Galatians chapter 6 this morning, and I'd like to take a lesson from there. In these five verses, Paul is telling us that we should bear one another's burdens, and he also tells us that we have to bear our own burdens. Now, there are some burdens that none of us can bear, and the others can't help us, and so we have to turn to God. So there are three points that we want to notice. No contradiction in this passage when verse 5 says, For each man shall bear his own burden. And then in verse 2, Bear ye one another's burdens. But they're talking about different kind of burdens, different kind of responsibilities or loads that are laid upon us in this life. Let's begin with verse 5. For each man shall bear his own burden, his own load. There are certain responsibilities, certain burdens, accountabilities that no one can bear for me before God. No one. My sins, for example. I must suffer for my sins and I am responsible for all my sins. I'm responsible for yielding to the temptations that come our way. When I commit the sin, God holds me accountable. Remember Ezekiel 18 and 20, the soul that sinneth it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, and neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Each man must bear his own responsibility, his own burden. Now, Paul was not even able to bear the sins of his Jewish brethren. Remember in Romans 10 and verse 1, Paul said, My heart's desire and supplication unto God is that they may be saved. They were lost. He prayed to God that they might be saved. He said, I bear them witness they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They'd rejected God's righteousness. They sought to establish their own, and thus they did not know the righteousness that God provided. Paul couldn't bear it. Also in 9 and 3, speaking of these same brethren that he would like to see saved and do all that he could, in fact, in this verse, he speaks about even taking their place, of being anathema from Christ for their benefit. For I could wish that I myself were anathema from Christ for my brethren's sake, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. But Paul had to bear his own sins. They have to bear their own sins. Now, maybe you're thinking this. Jesus came along to bear our sins, and that's right. Jesus alone could bear our sins. Paul said in 1 Peter, Peter said in 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree. In Isaiah 53 and 5, but he, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. But still, if I reject 
his offer of grace, the forgiveness of my sins that he's made possible, then I must bear the penalty for my sins. Another burden that no one can bear but me is my obedience. To accept Jesus' atonement on the cross, I need to respond. No one can do that for me. We know from 2 Thessalonians 1, 7, 8, and 9, that those who do not obey the gospel shall suffer eternal punishment, separation from the power of God and from his glory. So if I refuse and reject his offer, I'm going to bear that loss. It is I who must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And it is I who must repent of my sins. It is I that must confess my faith in Jesus. And it is I that must be baptized for the remission of my sins. Nobody else can do this for me. I read about a Mormon who had been immersed 400 times for 400 dead people. Well, they teach this. They think 1 Corinthians 15, 29 teaches it, but they're mistaken. We know, for example, from Romans 14 and 12. So then each one of us must give an account of himself to God. And so God's going to hold me responsible. And all of those 400 people who died not obeying the gospel are going to bear their own sins before him. Each man shall bear his own burden. Nobody can worship for me. When this congregation is assembled together, we're singing praises to God and we're praying together. We're studying his word, giving and remembering the Lord's Supper. And I'm not here. Will one of you be worshiping for me? It doesn't work that way, does it? No one can sing for me. No one can pray for me. Well, you can pray making an intercession, but you know what I mean. No one can observe the Lord's Supper in my place. No one can study the Bible for me. No one can go and teach the neighbor for me. God's going to hold me responsible. These are things that are, are my own burden. Each man shall bear his own burden. And no man can die for me and stand before God in the judgment. No. For you, for me. Face God in the judgment. Hebrews 9, 27. For it is appointed unto man, men once to die and after this cometh judgment that's the way God has laid it out we're all to bear our own responsibility each man shall bear his own burden In verse 2 Paul said bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ now, the context begins with verse 1, where it speaks about, brethren, if, even if any brother, any man, be overtaken in any trespass, ye who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. 
looking to thyself, lest thou also be tempted. What's Paul saying? Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. When we have a brother or a sister that needs restoring to Christ, he's fallen in sin, the word used here does not describe a deliberate, premeditated sin, but a slip. As a man on an icy road, the New English Bible renders this part of the verse, if a man should be, no, if a man should do something wrong, my brothers, on a sudden impulse, ye who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Paul says, help get that brother back on his feet. On his spiritual feet, we might add. And the word used here is the word restore. And it's used to describe a doctor preparing or repairing or setting a broken limb. But Paul is laying the stress not on punishment, but on the cure. Restore such a one. In a spirit of gentleness, when we see a man fall into fault or into sin, we could do well to think there, but for the grace of God, go on. That's what Paul said. Looking unto thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We think about Jesus bearing one another's burdens, fulfilling his own law of love, fellowship. In Luke chapter 22, this is in fact just before his, it was fulfilled. He approaches Simon Peter and he says, beginning at verse 31, Simon Simon, behold, Satan asked to have you, that he might sift you as wheat, but I made intercession, or I made supplication for thee, that thy faith fail not. And do thou, when once thou hast turned again, establish thy brethren. Now the Lord knew Peter was going to deny him. He told him already. Peter said, no, I won't do that. He says, after you turn again, here's what I want you to do. But he approached Peter and said, Simon, Simon. Used his name twice. This is the way the Lord did other folks. Jesus' tender response tempered his rebuke. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to receive you that it might sift thee as wheat, but I have made supplication for thee, that thy faith fail thee not. You remember when he was invited into the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus? Luke 10 tells us about this, the last paragraph. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus while Jesus was teaching. Martha, by herself, was out in the kitchen preparing a meal. And I can suppose that it was not just Jesus, but the twelve who were always with him. And Lazarus and Mary and herself are all going to have to eat. They take a lot of food. 
She came in and she said, Jesus, carest thou not that my sister has left me to serve alone? You remember how Jesus approached Martha? He said, Martha, Martha. Tender response tempered his rebuke. Thou art mindful of many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen the good part. And what about Saul while he's on his way to, to, uh, to uh, persecute the Christians in Damascus? And in this vision, Saul sees the Lord. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Martha, Martha, Simon, Simon. And I wonder how often he says, HB, HB. That's the Lord. But the Lord said, now, you do this and fulfill the law of Christ. There are some folks who think that if you have grace, you can't have law. That they are diametrically opposed to one another. Let me make this point. The grace of God harmonizes with his law. Didn't uh, Paul say here, and so fulfill the law of Christ? What about Romans 8 and 2? He speaks about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. God has a law. And his commandments are a part of that law. They make up the law. And so he says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. A new commandment give I unto thee, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. And by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. This is a part of the law of Christ. And he says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6 and 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for we shall reap in due season if we think not. The law of Christ. The example of Jesus. We mentioned how he dealt with Simon Peter, Martha, with Saul, and when Lazarus died, he was about two days' journey away ministering. And one of the family, or a friend of the family, went to tell him, said, Him who thou lovest is sick. And Jesus knew, of course, he was going to die and what he planned to do, and so he just tarried there. Jesus, with the other twelve, went to see him. Took him two days to get there. And that's when Martha said, Lord, we don't want to roll that stone away from, the, from his grave. He's been dead four days, and he's stinking. But you remember when Jesus came, Martha heard about it. She went out to meet him. He talked with her. And then he went, they went and told Mary. And then Mary came. And when it, we read in John 11 that when Jesus saw Mary weeping, and the Jews who were with her weeping, he was troubled in his heart. He groaned in his spirit. And then verse 35 tells us, Jesus wept. And the Jews that were there saw and said, Oh, how he must have loved Lazarus. He had come to weep 
with those who weep. Romans 15, 12 and verse 15. We can go to folks in sickness, those who are in sorrow, and we should when we can help. Offer to help the family. I read somewhere, I can't remember my source, that there was a woman who was uh, a member of the family, lived about 100 miles away, and someone died. The funeral was set, and so she came to the funeral. Well, it was a large family, had a lot of friends, and so they all came to the house to offer their condolences. When she got there and saw all the cars, she went directly into the kitchen. She didn't pass go. She didn't collect $200. She went directly to the kitchen, took off her coat, put on her apron, and helped prepare the meal. Washed the dishes because people coming and going were having coffee and all of this. She stayed until the last guest was gone, and the kitchen was spick and span. She was showing love. Love has been defined by some as active goodwill. It's goodwill put in motion. Also, sometimes an attentive ear will help someone bear their burden. Not just advice, but encouragement. Uh, William Barclay was a preacher for the Scottish Church. He was a theologian, he was a big writer, he wrote a lot of books. But he was about 60 years of age when he said this. Anyone who has reached my age will, during his life, have received a prodigious quantity of advice, for which, as he looked back, he is still grateful. Yet his warmest gratitude will be felt for those who gave him little advice and real encouragement. Are you a Barnabas? Remember the apostles said to Joseph, we're going to call you Barnabas. Because that word means a son of encouragement, a son of exhortation, a son of comfort. Are you a Barnabas or a daughter of Nabus? One last point. There are burdens that we are not able to bear. And the rest of us are not able to help them. And the only one who can do that is God. We all need God to help us bear our burdens. Psalm 55 and verse 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. One version puts it, and he will carry them. I like that. The Apostle Peter said, 1 Peter 5 and 7, Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Talking about God. You have any cares? Well, don't save some of them. He says, casting all your cares upon him. Hebrews 13 and 5. What did God say? First to Joshua, I will in no wise fail thee, neither will I in any wise forsake thee. And that's addressed to Christians as well. God has not made man to leave him without a source of help. Hebrews 2 and 18 tells us that one of the reasons why Jesus took upon himself human flesh was so that he would be able to succor, S-U-C-C-O-R, 
to comfort, to lift up those who are also tempted. In Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, For we have not a great high priest who cannot be touched with the feeding of our infirmities, but one who hath been tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore, because of that, draw near with boldness under the throne of grace to, refine, to, to receive mercy and to find grace to help us in time of need. He's there and he's available. You've perhaps heard this story about the lady who got on a train, she's carrying a, a heavy basket. She took her seat, put the basket down on her lap. The conductor came by, get her ticket. He said, Madam, if you'll put your basket down on the floor, the train will carry you in the basket too. How many times are we going to carry our load and not turn it over to God? A man for years nearly worried himself death about his work. And he also almost worried those that worked with him to death <laughs> about all the things that needed to be done. Then one night as he was sitting worrying, he said he heard God's voice as clearly as if it had been someone sitting in the same room. Smith, go to bed. I'll sit up for the rest of the night. Well, we have the assurance from Psalm 121 in verse 3 and 4. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I don't know if you've ever seen Lawrence of Arabia, the movie, based upon a real character, T.E. Lawrence. He's born in Wales and he was a writer and a number of other things. But well, if you saw the picture or some like it in the Middle East, you could always see this long caravan of camels. They'd been to the source of their supplies and loaded down all the camels, and then they were going to the cities to sell, to trade, the merchandise. Well, you could see at the close of each day, each camel would kneel. Then the burdens would be removed from the camel's hump to rest during the night. You and I could be like these camels. At the end of each day, God will remove the burdens so that we can be relieved and rest during the night. To awaken to the responsibilities of the new day with renewed strength, and would find the burdens of the night not so great. In fact, some of them would have disappeared. What a friend we have in Jesus. Let me just read these words, if I may. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? 
We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there.